is it okay that I'm pretty chill here? I don't know. I've just been here a couple times, and I'm just happy. I just feel like it's family here. Plus, I feel like when you're sitting on camping chairs, it's great. <laughs> I'm just excited about it. Man, I am really excited, honestly, about the Word. <clears throat> I don't know. I shared it this morning at, uh, at Two Trees Community Church. And um, who was here for that? Sorry, you're going to hear it again. But Jason told me he thinks it's going to be better the second time. I'll look for like a thumbs up from you people or a thumbs down. You can kind of just be like, oh, that was good or not as good. Um, but I, it is something that's just been burning on my heart personally for the last, I don't know, six, seven months um, is this idea of weakness and this uh, idea that we were created to need God and not created to uh, meet God and then somehow reach some point in our life where we don't need him anymore. And I've just been, th- I've just been dwelling, thinking, praying into, and this message was built out of a lot of tears and a lot of times on the floor, um, crying with the Lord, and a lot of times on my friends and leaders' couches being like, I'm falling apart. Um, and that's kind of where it started. So um, for, at least for me, it feels very personal and very real. And I feel and I hope that today for you, that out of what I share, that it would become very personal for you and that there'd be something that you receive from today that would almost uh, be like food for you that the next time you're with Jesus and in this next season that it actually becomes something that you can eat from. So that's my real hope for today. Um, turn to your Bibles uh, to Matthew 5. Who brought their Bible who brought their phone instead? Okay, called out. I'm just kidding. Um, I just like having a real Bible, but I like the Bible on the phone. It's great. Um, Matthew 5. We're going to start in verse 3. Yeah, I just kind of like left it because that was no good. Um, I was like, okay. Um, so Matthew 5, we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to jump around a little bit of Matthew towards the beginning, and then we'll hit a bunch of other places of Scripture. I just want you to know that what I'm preaching to you is in the Bible, so I try to use as much of it as possible. Um, that's a joke, but also true. And if what I'm saying is not biblical, Jason's going to clean it up next week. He's going to tell you, like, hey, I know you. we talked about, like, weakness and stuff, but, like, it's kind of more about, like, strength and, like, you know. So if, if that's true, my bad. Um, and you'll have to endure the next two hours of my preaching. <laughs> Just kidding. Everyone's like, oh, Jesus, he really likes to talk. You have genuinely no idea. <laughs> I have ten siblings, and if they all think I'm the loudest... Like, I don't know, like, we're all very loud. And actually, if you met them, you would not think I'm that loud. You would just think I'm normal. Anyway, I like to talk. It's, it's part of it. Okay, let's hit Matthew before this gets too rough. Um, Matthew 5. I just wanted to say this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first message. This is him uh, sharing about the kingdom of God, and he is trying to lay a foundation. Even uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it is uh, pretty much just this whole sermon that Jesus lays out, and he is starting. It's the first recorded message we have in the word of God of Jesus, and he is laying a foundation for the new kingdom because they've come from the Old Testament. They've come from the law, and Jesus is saying, I have a new way. I have a new plan. Here's what it's going to be, and the first things out of his mouth are in verse 3, okay? Matthew 5, verse 3. And he says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Your Bible might say, um, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek or humble, 
for they shall inherit the earth. This is the word of God. This is Jesus introducing the kingdom. It's his first message. And he starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? It means those who are spiritually dependent upon God. Poor in spirit is not... (laughs) It's not having, it's kind of, I mean, maybe it's kind of being like broken heaven, but what it really means is that you're actually in a place of need. The poor are needy, and they're poor in spirit. When he says those who mourn, he's saying, I'm going to comfort you. Blessed are you, the, those who mourn. We always try to get away from that. We're like, oh, hate mourning. Let's, let's get away that. And God actually says, I bless that. And then he says, blessed are the humble, the meek. They're going to inherit the whole earth. These are the Beatitudes. They're the attitudes of being. And the first thing out of his mouth, isn't it interesting that the, where he starts is he starts with saying, if you're weak, if you're needy, if you're humble, you are blessed. That is not the way that the world has operated, and it's not the w- way that the world today even operates. How many of you have heard, you know, any, like, motivational speaker? They're like, hey, what you really need to do is, like, nobody says, like, hey, you should be weak. They're all like, hey, get up at 5 a.m. Let's hit the grind. Come on, let's get to the gym. Get out there. You can do this. Hey, nobody's going to build your future for you, okay? Start today. I'm serious. You know what I'm talking about? The world doesn't say, hey, if you're, if you're humble, you're going to inherit the whole earth. They're like, if you work really hard, and then you work harder, and then you live like no one else, you can live like no one else. Sorry. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to name that. Great person. It's Dave Ramsey. Um, I love Dave. <laughs> okay. I love Dave. But I'm serious. Like, the world preaches a different message. They have different attitudes of being. And they say, if you work hard enough, you're going to get where God's going to take you. If you work hard enough, you're going to get there. You're going to reach the top. God says, hey, if you're humble, if you're weak, if you're poor in spirit and needy, you'll inherit the whole kingdom and the whole earth. I'm just kidding. Yeah, don't drop the mic. Everyone's like, please don't do that. You're going to inherit the whole kingdom and the whole earth. This is Jesus' way. And we have been taught something else. And some of you grew up and you've been, you've been taught something completely different. And even as I'm talking today, you're going to realize like, oh, whoa. And you're going to be like, I need to go read that. Because I feel like God is actually moving this transition where we're actually not trying to like make things happen for ourselves. But we're actually trying to lean on him. Because that's the space that we were created to live in. Say weakness. Weakness. Say it again. Weakness. God wants to anoint your weakness. I want to talk about the three gifts of weakness. There might be more, uh, but probably not because I'm only talking about three of them. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Three gifts of weakness, okay? So um, if you're taking notes, the three gifts of weakness, I'm, say this with me. Say daily weakness. Daily weakness. Oh, Again, I told you we're going to jump around in Matthew. Turn to Matthew 6 real quick. You're, you're going to be real familiar with this part if you've ever been to church before. If you've never been to church before, welcome. Okay, Matthew 6. This is what, this is, what is often called the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to read a portion of it, okay? Again, you're probably familiar. It says, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today your daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And it goes on. But I want to highlight this one phrase. He said, give us today our daily bread. Now, this might be speculation, but I would like to propose to you that when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, he is not necessarily saying, Lord, give us a Jesus burger today. I don't think he is talking about actual food. I believe when Jesus is saying, give us today our daily bread, he is talking about his presence, his spirit, and his word that feeds us. It's when you're in the prayer closet and you're alone with God, in that place that you actually need to be fed. And I believe that every single one of us cannot live a single day without Jesus. I've tried. It's not fun. Let me tell you about a story. Um, this last Wednesday, um, I was having a day, and it was not a good day. It was a day. And I was, uh, I was really tired and was just having a kind of an exhausting week. Y'all ever just woke up, and for some reason, uh, you felt so off that it was just, like, real bad. Yeah? Anybody? You felt off. <laughs> I saw only the Bethel team raise their hands. I was like, okay, well... Why are you here? I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, anybody ever feel off before? Yeah? Okay. Wow. See, we're getting better. That call and response thing. Okay. I feel so off. I, I don't even have great words to say it. I'm just like, I wake up and I do not want to go to work. Uh, I have a staff meeting with the church. I don't want to be there. The staff meeting ended up being great, but I was just like, I kind of walked in like, okay, well, let's just worship. Heck yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I love Jesus. And so I'm there, and I'm like, all right, great. And I'm like having such a hard moment. I see a leader um, that I'm connected to, and I'm like, wow, we've been having a hard time, and I don't really know what to say about it, and I don't want to fix it now, but I'm just going to avoid you because uh, <laughs> this is awkward. And um, luckily, he turned the other way. I didn't have to avoid him. He, God, God sent him away. Um, so I'm just having like a rough day, and then I have like phone calls. I'm, I'm calling like pastors and they're just like, yeah, are you excited? I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm pumped. Man, it's going to be, man, yeah, it's, I am pumped. I am so pumped. And um, totally lying to people over the phone. And um, so I'm feeling like way off. And I remember thinking all day, like, what is going on? I just, I had woken up late and I was just like, this is just a bad day. I don't know. I'm trying to get out of this day and get in tomorrow as soon as possible. And it's 10 PM and I'm at home and I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, you know what? I just, I didn't need to, to be with him today because I woke up so late. I didn't really get to have time with the Lord. And I sit, I get on my knees and I start worshiping. And within like five minutes, I feel amazing. I feel like I am out of this world. I'm just like, wow, God, you are so faithful. And I'm like getting overcome by the love and presence of God. And I was just, th I was just thinking like, man, why do we ever think that we can live without him? Why do I ever think that I can live without Jesus every day? It's like the cruel joke of the world that you can like, like you can just get like counseling and you're going to feel better. And like, hey, you can get like um, enough people that like give you good energy and you're going to just start doing amazing. And then you're like, why does my life still suck? And I'm like, it's like the cruel joke of the world is that they, they give you so many solutions and you still wake up one day and you're like, why do I feel empty? But the problem, the, not the problem, the solution is Jesus. And the reality is, is that you will never go to enough church services. You will never read your Bible enough to actually Stop from the place of daily needing him. You don't mature to that place of not needing him anymore. You will need him every day forever. I, I promise you, you will never wake up and think, wow, I, I don't need him today. This is what a just great day. 
And you'll never think, wow, I have my identity so strong. Man, I had a meeting with Jason last week, and he just encouraged me, and I just feel so good. I, I don't even, I think I've grown out of my need for God. How great is that? I'm just so mature in the Lord. In the Lord. <laughs> Did you get that? Like, that, you'll never have that happen. And I just want to tell you today that that's okay because you were actually created to need him. You were created to daily need Jesus. Say daily. That means give us this day our daily bread. Every day you have the opportunity to be fed. But if you don't get fed in the presence of God, you will go through that day looking for the food all day. And, you know, we call that being thirsty. <laughs> you look, you'll look in every room, in every door, in every conversation. You'll be look, trying to fill something that only Jesus can give you every day, okay? Say loved in weakness. Loved in weakness. You guys are doing so much better with this call and response thing. It may not make you feel better, but it makes me feel better. And so, <laughs> just kidding. One of the gifts of weakness is that you get to be loved in a weak place. There is a love that you can experience when you are weak that you cannot experience when you are strong. There is a love so strong and so deep that you could never experience if you shielded yourself from it in trying to be strong all the time or trying to be always okay. Or every time someone asks you, they're like, how are you doing? <laughs> blessed. I'm doing great. I'm like, if that's you, I'm glad you're blessed. But if, you never, if you're never in a weak spot and if you're never in a needy spot, then you never will get to feel the love of what it's like to not have earned it. To not have earned the love of God. To not have learned the love of people, you'll never get to know what that's like to be loved and to be like, wow, I didn't even deserve this, but I'm loved. Because in your mind, you're always good enough for it. Actually, when I, uh, when I got saved, which pretty much happened when I was 17, my parents are pastors, but I get saved um, at 17. And I went to church my whole life, but for me, that was when my faith became real. And that's when I truly got born again, and that's when I um, started preaching Jesus on the streets and started seeing miracles, and it, everything ha happened in that moment. I got baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit a few weeks later, and in about three short weeks, I was night and day completely different. I went from anxiety, pornography, uh, nightmares, fear of dying, uh, self-hatred, anger, all these things, three weeks later. I'm completely free, and I'm laying on my bed laughing. I'm like, I don't have any of that stuff. This is insane. Now, I, was, I had just given my life to Jesus. I had just started following him, and I just started spending time with him every day. Okay? Remember that? We talked about that. started spending time with him every day, and I realized every time I spent time with the Lord, I, I didn't have my issues that day. It was, I was just wild. So for me, crazy time. And what I realized, honestly, about seven months ago, is even though I had encountered and experienced the love of God that was so powerful, I had, re, I had received and encountered a love that transformed me. I had never questioned in the seven years that I have been saved, I have never questioned the love of God for me. I'll be completely honest with you. I've questioned the love of people for me countless times in the, over the years. And what I realized is I got free from all my stuff. I get free from all my sin and all my issues. I didn't become a perfect person overnight. I didn't, all my insecurities didn't leave all right away, but I had, uh, but I got set free from all my sin. 
And what I realized, though, about seven months ago is I realized, man, I know that I know that Jesus loves me when I'm weak. But you know what I didn't know is I didn't know that people would because I got free from all my stuff. And that's when I started telling everybody about my stuff. I was like, yeah, can you believe it? I was doing that. And it was this thing back there. But now that I'm good, praise God. And I realized that I had never learned to be loved in my weakness by people because I, I just got free from so much stuff that I was just living in freedom. So seven months ago, here I am. Life is not great, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I feel insecure. I feel broken. I feel like I'm falling apart. I'm a Bethel pastor, and we don't have issues. At least, I'm like, I was like, that's the, that's the feeling of the pressure I was feeling. I was like, I'm not supposed to be, like, crying on someone's couch at 1 a.m. Like, no, like, you just, I should be better than that. I don't know what's going on. So I'm, like, there in my heart, and I'm, like, warring over what is going on with me, and I realize, oh, my gosh, I'm actually learning what it's like to be broken in front of people and to realize that I'm loved. I'm learning and I'm realizing what it's like to be broken and to be loved. And some of you have shielded and kept people at a distance and kept God at a distance because you are not sure that you're going to be loved. So you're like, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing great, actually. Super good. And like you are shielding and pushing away people because you don't want to be seen in brokenness. You don't want to be seen as weak. You don't want to be seen as needy. But that is exactly what you need because when you're fully seen, you're fully known, you can be fully loved. And you will only be as loved as you are fully known. You can only be as loved as you are known. And you can only be transformed to the level that you are loved. So for this to happen, you have to be weak, you have to be broken, and then you have to open up in courage. Let people love you. Let God love you, and you'll be transformed. Do you understand why this is important? Because you can go through so much of church life and just have surface kind of relationship with people and be like, wow, this is so great. And then have, have you ever met this person? This person isn't you. But I'm like, have you ever met this person? They're like, everything seemed amazing until everything completely fell apart and it was just gone. And they were like, yeah, God's not real. I don't even know what I was thinking for the last 50 years of my life. And I'm like, what happened? And I'm like, man, it's because I think it's often because we're actually not that connected to people. And so we're isolated. So at one day, like if something changes in me, it just changes everything. But I don't actually have people that have walked the journey with me and people that can say, what are you talking about? You don't know. You're, you're loved. You remember that time that we were there? Hey, remember that time when we were there? You were so broken and God met you. Do you remember that time? Like, and they've actually walked it with you. This is the gift of weakness is the fact that you can be broken and be loved. There'll be a day in heaven where you are fully in the presence and glory of God. And there's a love that you We'll get then, and it'll be perfect, and it'll be beautiful. You guys excited to be there someday? I'm excited. Let me tell you this. There is a love that you will only be able to experience on the earth because it's a love that while you're incomplete and imperfect and you don't have it all together, you're fully loved by the Lord and fully loved by people. Loved in weakness. I'm going to read you this story out of Exodus real quick, and then I'm, we'll go to the next point. And then at the end, we'll see what happens. Exodus 17, if you're taking notes or if you want to follow and read along, super short verse. Exodus 17, verse 8. It says, while the people of Israel were still at, I don't know how to say that, Rephidim, um, the warriors of... <laughs> 
That'll work. Jason, how should I say it? Refine them. Some of you need to refine. I don't know what I'm saying. That doesn't mean anything. Okay. Um, we're still at refidum. <laughs> the, the words of Amalek? Amalek? I don't know. Let's go with Amalek. That feels easier to say. Um, at Amalek, attack them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua, Joshua did what Moses had command, commanded and fought the army of the Amalekites. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up and the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became very tired, so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so that his hands would be held steady till sunset. Till sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of the Amalekites in battle, and they had victory. That is wild. I'm still, I'm still blown away <laughs> that... God is so crazy that two armies can come together and one is way greater than the other. And in that moment, they're all fighting. And just because some dude's on a hill, this is crazy. Some dude's on a hill with his arms in the air. They're winning. That blows my mind. <laughs> I'm just like, God, let's just, well, why don't you just like, if you wanted to kill all the other guys, I'm just like, wham. Like, I don't know. That's how I would have done it. I've been like, let's get this over quick. Moses, put your hands in the air. Zap. Okay. You guys win. Way to go. <laughs> That's a little gory. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Again, Jason's going to fix that next week. So I'm serious, though. This is a crazy story to me where it's a supernatural power of God that is interrupting the Israelites once again. And Moses is there on the hill. And every time his hands are up, every time he's submitted in surrender to what God told him to do, they're winning the battle. But when his hands drop, they start losing. And so they're out there fighting. And his hands are going up, and then he gets tired. And he's like, oh, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. So Aaron and her get around him. They're like, here, sit on this rock. We're going to hold your arms up so you can keep the staff in the air, and we're going to win. Moses is the anointed man of God. I don't know if you've read a little bit about Moses, but the things he's done is probably part to none in the Bible except Jesus. I mean, he leads like two million people out of Egypt. They're, they're like, ocean splits. It's not the ocean, but you know what I'm saying. Like, Red Sea splits. They're like, crazy stuff is happening. Like, pillars of fire. Like, I mean, like, this is insane what Moses has seen. He is the man of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything that he does seems to work out great because God likes that guy. And even though he's the man of God, he gets tired. And you know what? God could have given him the strength, but he didn't give him the strength. Do you know what God gave him instead? People. He's getting so tired, and while he's being used by God to win the fight, even though he's tired, in that moment, God could have strengthened his arms. He's destroying the whole ar army as Moses lifts his hands. Do you think God could put strength in his arms? Do you think he could just, like, bulk his arms up real quick, and he's like, hey, you're going to be good just for another day? Like, he did that with Samson, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he gives him Aaron. He gives him her. He gives him people and says, you know what? They're going to be your strength. And you're going to be weak and you're going to need them because without them, the man of God or the men of God or the people of God, they won't be able to make the distance without each other. And you will not make the distance and you will not have the victory and you will not step into what God has for you unless you are okay to be weak and lean on the people around you. 
God wants you to embrace your weakness and to be loved and supported by the people around you. And he wants you to be that for other people. That is the gift of weakness. Somebody say the power of weakness. I'm going to read another verse because I promised you this is in the Bible. Because we don't like talking about weakness, but it's there. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 10. Turn there if you want. All right, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, verse 10. And verses 9 and 10. It, it says this. It says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I'm going to read that again. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. This is Paul. He's talking about what God said. And he says, so now I am glad. This is Paul talking now. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And the, can you imagine that, taking pleasure in your weakness? I, I'm not there yet. Help me, Paul. Help me, Jesus. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecution and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, I've kind of already talked about this, but it's kind of funny to me that Paul is saying, I boast in weakness. But as far as the church is concerned, I think every, almost every time we try to hide it, me included. I have a bad day. I have a bad moment. Sure as heck, I don't want to tell anybody. It is not fun for me to bring up to people like, hey, just so you know, Jason, um, yeah, I have no faith. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I just feel terrible. And God's probably not here right now. And I'm just, I'm just, that's not what I feel. You know I'm making a joke. I'm just saying, it is not fun for me to actually be weak. But Paul says, I boast in my weakness. And he says, actually, I have a lot of things to boast for. I've had visions. I've had encounters. I've seen things that you have no idea. But instead of boasting in those things, I will instead boast in my weakness. Because when I am weak, I am strong in him. This is the power of weakness. And you know what? You were not created to grow out of this place. You were never created to grow so mature that you grow out of your need for Jesus. You were created to live and actually mature into deeper need of him. It's a, it's a little bit backwards in the kingdom of God than the rest of the world. The way God does it, he says, actually, you're going to start out here. But actually, as you grow in faith and you grow in courage and you grow in knowing me, you're going to grow in needing me. You're going to become so dependent on me like a child, like we were praying earlier. You're going to be like a child to where you can't live, you can't wake up, you can't go somewhere, you can't have a good day, you can't even have a good couple of hours if I'm not involved. It doesn't mean that every moment you need to be praying and worshiping, but there is a place of life that God wants to take us into that we are like, man, I so deeply need you, God. I need you every single day. I need you with me all the time. There's a story in the Bible. You might have heard of it, David and Goliath. Anybody ever heard that story? Are you guys okay? Great. We're almost done. You're doing great. There's a story, David and the Goliath. And I look at that story, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but you, you kind of get the point. Little David following Jesus. 
God, but we all know Jesus is God, right? Jesus is God. Are we good? Okay, great. So he's following what God is saying over his life. And he has got courage. And there's another guy named Goliath. And Goliath is massive. Some scholars say they think he's bigger than nine feet tall. Some, some say they thought he was 12 feet tall. And I was just like, <laughs> woof, that's a big guy. Yeah, woof, exactly. I just look at him like, yikes. And if it was me, and if I was looking at those people, then I'm like, oh, they get in the ring. I'm like, oh, 100%. Goliath's about to step on him, and David's going to die. I would look at that 100 times, 100% of the time. That's what I'm going to say. 100% of the time, and I would say, Goliath is the chosen one. Clearly, God made him big, and that's because he wants him to win. He's got everything going for him. He looks good. He's, he's got a great smile. He's about 15 feet tall, and he's just yacked. And I'm like, man... That's the guy I want to, uh, I'm going to put my money on. And God sends little David to take down Goliath. And you know the story. David throws a stone. Goliath dies. He cuts his head off. I think so many times in the church, you and me are trying to be Goliath. We're thinking, wow, God, I want you to use me. I want you to take me places. Wow, I have a calling on my life. I have a destiny. I'm amazing. Wow, this is so beautiful. Yeah, Jason told me last week that anything I can do, like God is going to bless me. I'm going to go. Wow, I, 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 have a, I have a kingdom life ahead of me. There's so much. And we go, this is going to be great. So here's what I want. I want to have it all together. I want to look good all the time. Uh, yeah, I think I would like a perfect life. Uh, no struggles. Definitely, definitely not any struggles. Yeah, Lord. Okay, great. I would like to look like I have it all together, have a, have a bunch of money. And just like, man, then I think God will really use me because of how successful I am. And when I have it all together, that's when God's going to really use me. And this is quite the opposite in this story is David had faith. But other than that, I look at him and I go, he's not the chosen one. He's not the winner. He's not the person that's going to make it happen. I would look at them both. And by human terms, I would say, let's pick, with, let's pick Goliath. He's the guy. And some of you have looked at yourself and gone, man, I actually, I need, to, I need to look like I have it all together. I need to be bigger. I need to like, wow, I need to be that, the one that everyone's looking to. And David is not the one that anyone is looking to, but he's the one that God used. And God wants to use you, but you're going to have to first lay down this idol of being Goliath, of being the one that has it all together, of being the one that has it all figured out, of looking like you're the winner, of looking like you're the chosen one. You've got to let that die in you because if you want to kill the Goliaths in your life, you've got to stop wanting to be like them. And if you're looking to the world and you're going, man, that guy's got it all together. I'm like, man, you need a heart check because God wants to take you to a place where you're instead of crying out to be bigger and to have it all and to be the guy with the mic on stage who looks like his life is all together. Instead of being that guy and wanting to be him, you go, God, keep me with the sheep. Keep me humble. God, I, I pray that you would actually lift me up and make me weak. Make me weak. Make me humble. And that is what God wants to do in your life. I know this is maybe not the message that you wanted to hear. Maybe you wanted me to tell you that God, uh, God's going to use you no matter what. But I, the, God, the Bible actually says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And God will resist you if you're proud. And it's not, he will never stop loving you, but he will actually take you to a place to where you'll, you'll naturally have humility. You ever seen people in life that you're like, wow, they can't. Like sometimes we go so far down that it's like there's nowhere up but up. And God will actually, actually, through his love and mercy for you, he will hold you in a place and he will not let you go into the next promise that he has for you so that you can learn humility so that when you get to the promise, you have the right heart. Woof. Yeah. 
God wants to give you grace, but first, you have to humble yourself. Grace is the power of God to do what you couldn't do before. And before you do what God has called you to do, you need to walk in humility. I need to walk in humility. We need to walk in humility. You know, God's called you to be like David and not Goliath. And I feel like, man, I, I, I remember the first time that I got uh, even just a, a small revelation of like, oh, my gosh, I'm arrogant. Dang it. <laughs> this sucks. And I wish I was like, yeah, back to like 10 years ago, yeah, when I realized I was arrogant. <laughs> shoot. That was, a, that was a rough day. I'm like, no, like, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years max, I was like, oh, dang, I think it's about me, and I'm pretty convinced that my life and, and my calling and my destiny and everything I'm made for and all the good stuff that's been prophesied over me, I'm pretty convinced that I'm going to be able to take me there. And that's just not true. You know, if David would have gone his own way, he never would have killed Goliath. I think if David would have gone his own way, I think when Samuel would have anointed him, I think at that moment he would have walked up to the palace and been like, <laughs> yo, get out. This is my house. But instead, he's with the sheep for years. Kills a lion, super cool, back with the sheep. Kills a bear, back with the sheep. And he is not able to actually step into for years later, but he actually writes most of the Psalms from the season when he's back with the sheep. And we are living today from the fruit of like, you read the Psalms, you encounter God, you're like, wow, this is so powerful. And I'm like, man, those were written from a man who is humble, and a man that was with God, and he had not yet stepped into the promise. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, <laughs> wonder where he got that revelation. Sheep. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like this. I'm serious. God is wanting to take you into things, but he is okay with humbling you first because you will need humility to go the distance. And this is really, this is really my heart for today, that... Anything that I, you know, would have communicated or gotten across that you, that this would be, become a change of your prayer life. This would be a change of your perspective. That you would be able to say, God, wow. I need you. And I'm never going to stop meeting you. God, make me weak. Keep me humble. Make me humble. God, help me to enjoy humility. Help me to enjoy my weakness. Help me not, the moment I feel weak, to try to escape from it and start feeling strong again, but instead that I would meet you in my weakness. And I would meet your love. I would meet your presence. I would meet your grace in my humility. You were called for greatness. You climbed down the ladder to get there, not up. Kingdoms flipped.